watch how you walk. Most of the time you hear the expression, watch where you walk. Like when you're in the boundary waters and you're getting out of your canoe and you have to watch to make sure that there aren't any slippery rocks when you put your foot down. Or when you have all of your packs on your back and you're carrying your uh, canoes on those portages to get to the next lake you have to watch where you walk to make sure that there aren't any roots uh, sticking up out of the ground or any rocks along the trail or uneven uh, slopes that could cause you to trip and fall and in our everyday lives you know, we have to watch where we walk too, because there are uneven sidewalks, even when we go for a walk down our street, or maybe when we're recovering from a surgery, whether it's our hip or our knees, we have to be careful about where we walk. But Jesus also reminds us that it is important to be aware of how we walk as well in this life of faith which gets us to our story that Linda read for us today. Jesus was in the middle of teaching crowds of people and he started out by warning them about the religious, religious leaders of his day, of what they had been teaching and how they weren't always practicing and living so well, what they were expecting others to do in their lives. And then he goes on to tell people to not be afraid, but to remember how God cares for the sparrows of the air. And if so, caring for the sparrows, then God most certainly cares for you and for me. And Jesus goes on a little bit deeper with a little bit weightier matter and talks about how important it is um, for us to acknowledge Jesus, acknowledge God before others, to not be afraid to do so, and to trust that if our lives were ever put on trial, like if our faith was ever put on trial, and we were asked to, to say what we believed, and we feared in that moment to not worry, but to trust, because the Holy Spirit would be there and would give us the words that we would need in that time. And then, in the middle of all of that, um, really difficult, really important conversation, important teaching. This man from the crowd just interrupts out of the blue and says to Jesus, Jesus, teacher, can you please tell my brother to divide the inheritance of our father? Now, I can only imagine how annoyed and frustrated Jesus was that in the middle of this really important teaching and conversation in which he wanted people to be prepared of what might in fact happen to them should they choose to follow him. This question out of the blue, and that's all about this man's own self. I can imagine how frustrated Jesus must have been because he wants so much for people to be able to remember that no matter what happens in their life, they can put their trust in God, who lovingly cares for us, who provides for us, 
in every single need that we have to give us what we most need. But in order for us to remember this, in order for the people who first heard these words to remember it, they have to fully be able to hear what Jesus is saying. They need to focus on listening to him. But it's really hard to listen when there's so many things swirling around in our minds, so many worries, so many fears, so many things <laughs> that we are upset about toward one another, so many grievances that we have toward those around us that can interfere with our ability to be able to listen which leads us to the topic of inheritance. We've already had this a couple of times this summer and inheritance is a complex, complicated matter that often involves family disputes. Nothing has changed there. And at this time, going back to the Hebrew scriptures in the book of Deuteronomy, there was this this law, this rule that the oldest son, the firstborn child, would receive a double share of the inheritance. And then the rest would be divided from there. The firstborn son was in charge of either leaving that family estate and all the, the animals and the property that their father owned intact, or the good of the whole family, or divided up among probably just the brothers, not the sisters even. And so we don't know how many are in this family, but it's likely that this man from the crowd is the younger brother, and so he's complaining that his older brother isn't dividing up the property with him. It doesn't seem fair. Now, there's so much to the story that we don't quite hear from Luke, but you also have to wonder if it wasn't quite so easy to divide. Property and having animals takes a lot to be able to take care of them all. It takes a lot of uh, land and space. Uh, it, it takes a, a room to be able to have animals have a place to drink and to be um, nourished that way. It takes space for them to be able to graze and to roam around. And if you divide the property maybe too many times or um, in ways that don't really allow for those large numbers of animals, you might actually be hurting yourself in the long run. And, and having a future, it means that you have to have numbers of animals so that you can keep on um, having new life, new, new animals born every single year. And so if you divide the family inheritance too much, you may actually be hurting your, your potential to keep on providing for your family and your entire family. So with that in mind, we may see something in this man that Jesus saw in his heart. 
that he wasn't so interested in the good of the whole family to be able to have what they needed, to be able to keep on going after their father had passed, but that he may only be interested in himself and his own needs and wants and wanting more and not being satisfied with what he had received. He got tripped up. He got tripped up by that stumbling block in life, that thinking that money and success and the possessions that we have is what is going to lead us to having life, to having all that we want, to being filled with joy. Because while those things may be true for the short time, the short term, they are not for the long term. Having money or success or recognition or possessions aren't things that we can take with us in the next life. They're not things that um, will ever ultimately be what fills us up on other levels as well. Jesus then tells this parable of the rich fool who decides to build a bigger barn to store all of the grain that he has harvested. Now, the barn behind me was once a dairy barn, uh, home to over a hundred dairy cows, and the silos were used to um, store the feed grain that they needed, the feed corn that they needed, and um, the barn was filled with hay and all of the equipment needed to take care of the farm and all of the needs of the cows. Now, thankfully, uh, it is no longer a dairy barn because dairy farms take an immense amount of work. There is no, no ability to stop and relax when you have a dairy farm. But thankfully, this barn is able to be put to a different purpose for others to be able to use and, um, and take benefit from. But imagine for just a moment that this barn, as big as it is, is filled to the brim of grain. Imagine it was filled to the brim with the grain that one farmer, along with all of their staff, their hired hands, their workers, had collected. And that farmer in the back of their mind thought, you know what, we could have an even bigger barn than this. I will build an even bigger barn so that I can store more for myself, more for myself. And suddenly with that line of thinking, the whole community becomes impacted. They become off balance because suddenly one person has the majority of what that area has been able and has been gifted with the ability to grow. And what happens then next is it makes all of the rest of the community dependent upon that one farmer for enough to be able to feed their families.
and it probably drives the price of that grain through the roof, literally. While this might be a great, a great idea in the short term for that farmer, he won't be able to take any of it with him after he dies. And he won't even be able to have control over who gets it if he should die. Which leads us back to the very beginning of our story, to the exact place that this person from the crowd has found himself in. Unable to control what happens to what his father was given by God in the first place. And this, this man, this person from the crowd, finds himself wanting more. Finds himself wanting more all for himself finds himself in this place where he's not really concerned so much about the benefit of the whole family and what would be best for all of them together. But he finds himself tripped over by the stumbling block of greed. The stumbling block of greed that only leads us in this place where more isn't ever good enough fearing that what we have won't quite cut it, always worrying about tomorrow and what it will bring and whether or not we will be able to make it with what we have. It leaves us in this place where we are always depending only upon ourselves not recognizing all that God gives to us, all that we are dependent upon God for, and not recognizing the ways in which we depend on those around us as well for everything in our lives. This place only leads us to death within ourselves, wanting more always wanting more, instead of the place of life within us that comes when we turn to God first and foremost, when we turn to God with a prayer for our need to be met, for the needs of those around us and for our world to be met, the needs that God knows that we have, and not just our wants and our wishes, but the needs that God knows we have. When we turn to God first and are able to trust that God cares and loves us just like the sparrows of the sky, and when we are able to trust God in all things, in all situations, then we're also able to trust that we are okay to be generous, that it's okay for us to be able to share of what we've been gifted, and that it's okay for us to be able to work together to find a good solution for the good of all. To be able to work together with those around us, not just for ourselves, but for what benefits the whole. I don't know about you, but that, 
is a way that I would so much rather experience in this life. I would so much rather experience that kind of life within that bubbles up and that just seems to keep on giving and giving and creating more joy within. But you know what? <laughs> you know, the other day when I was at the grocery store, the bread that I normally brought by was completely gone. Not a single loaf on the shelves. And even as I looked around, there were very few other kinds and brands of bread. It was almost as if the bread truck hadn't even stopped at the grocery store that day. And so I don't know, but I, I started thinking that maybe I should go back and check that grocery store every day. And when the new arrival of bread comes, maybe I should buy up everything that they have. And then I should go to Home Depot or Menards and buy the biggest chest freezer that I can find so that I have a place to store all that bread because who knows what could happen. And, uh, uh, and, and there it is. I just tripped over a stumbling block. Didn't even realize this stumbling block was right in front of me. But that's what happens with stumbling blocks. They're really easy to miss until they trip us up. And so Jesus keeps on thankfully picking us up every time we fall every time we forget what jesus has been trying to tell us all along he picks us up and he keeps on teaching us what it looks like to be filled with life what it looks like to be filled with life from this god who loves us and who is life from this God who wants nothing more than for us to know the richness and the fullness that comes when we seek God's life for ours and for one another. May that be so. And Jesus, thanks for picking me up a lot. Amen.